I hope everyone survived that mandible claw grasp that was having to get back to work after Independence Day weekend, but there's no time off in college football, and there's no time off for the Rutgers Scoutcast, which is why it is my pleasure to welcome everybody to episode 65. I am the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast and publisher on ScarletReport.com. I am Sam Hellman. But it's not about me today, it's about you. It's about walking down memory lane a little bit, looking at someone that for a long time was a primary focus for Rutgers fans and a great guy. And that's why I'm excited in a couple minutes to welcome Miles Schuler to the show. If you are a newer Rutgers fan, you might not be familiar with the name, but Miles Schuler was a big-time Rutgers target in the late Greg Schiano era, a four-star kid out of Long Branch. He was the guy that, you know, people on message boards, uh, people on uh, Rutgers fans, this was a little before Twitter was a thing, but it was, ah, we need him, we need Schuler, we need him. And Rutgers got him. And while it didn't work out long-term at Rutgers with Miles Schuler, he transferred to Northwestern to finish his career. He always carried himself with class, great family, great background, works his tail off, and that's why it was my pleasure to have Miles Schuler back on the Rutgers Scoutcast. It's funny because Miles Schuler was a was a recruit pretty much right when I started doing this stuff for a living. I, I was interning, I think, at Rivals his junior year and then took the job at Scout uh, at right after he signed with Rutgers. I can't remember. It all runs together. But this is an example of a guy that I followed from pretty much junior year of high school now through the NFL and, as you'll hear, into the CFL. And he's always been mature, classy, handled it with, you know, handled things the right way. And you're going to hear that in the interview. After we speak to Miles Schuler, who's relevant in a couple different ways, we're going to talk about Miles' career the last couple years since he finished college. And we're going to talk about Long Branch High School, which is yet again a priority school for Rutgers in recruiting and one of the bigger programs down the shore. After we hear from Miles Schuler, Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan is back from the opening. We're going to talk a little Adidas apparel. We're going to talk a little uh, young Coatesville commitment. We'll see what else happens in the body of the show. But before any of that, it is really my pleasure to, for the first time in, I don't know, four or five years, my interview with Miles Schuler. Well, it's been about eight years since I've tracked this man down for a phone interview. I'm excited to do it again. It is my pleasure to welcome Miles Schuler to the Rutgers Scoutcast, former Long Branch star, four-star recruit, Scarlet Knight. Miles, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Just uh, just training, uh, you know, staying in shape, getting ready for this uh, CSR opportunity. You know, so everything's good. I think most Rutgers fans are familiar with your journey, but a, a quick refresher for those that don't know. Miles, as a four-star recruit, big-time player out of Long Branch, decided to stay home, play for Greg Schiano. You transferred to Northwestern after the coaching change, spent some time with the Carolina Panthers, and now you're headed to the CFL. Is that a good way to sum it up? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's accurate. 100%. Awesome, man. Well, tell me about tell me about the CFL and, and you making the decision to go play there, especially getting a chance to play with a, another Rutgers great in uh, Jamal Westerman. Right, yeah, so that's uh that's what I have to do. You know, CFL, 
as well that I have to take uh, just to continue my career. Uh, so last year I was with the Panthers, uh, made it up to the third preseason game. Uh, then I got cut um, despite, you know, doing well for them and making plays uh, throughout camp and everything. So I sat out the whole season. I, and to be honest, looking back on the whole situation, I wish that I got into the CFL last year so I didn't have to do it this year. But uh, I did so well throughout the preseason and uh, and, and, and also in camps. Um, I thought that, you know, another team would pick me up right away. You know, so I missed that uh, CFL opportunity. And, you know, just looking back on that situation, um, I'm pretty sure that I would have made the same choice again. You know, it was a no-brainer, you know, just wait around, see if another team would pick me up on practice squad, you know, and just earn my strikes there. But uh, uh, it didn't happen that way. So I had a whole year to sit out on, uh, uh, from the football field, and I just used that time to, you know, get bigger, stronger, faster, and uh, uh, perfect my craft on the field, you know. And right now I have to play CFL again, you know, just to uh, just so that I don't sit out of football for two straight years, you know. It wouldn't make any sense, you know. So I need to go up there to uh, hopefully uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Edmonton is also an option. But uh, Winnipeg is the, uh, I think, is the front runner right now. I'm talking to the Northeast scout uh, right now, Joe Nixon, and uh, we're going to make some things happen. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited to go up there and uh, showcase my skills and uh, improve on my numbers so that the NFL can see. The uh, the CFL has really been a great home for other Rutgers receivers: Tyquan Underwood, Tim Brown, Pat yep. Brown. Uh, I feel like you fit that similar mold just with your speed and what you can bring up there. But uh, my, my, I guess my next question: we're we're pretty much in the same age bracket. I'm a couple years older than you are. For someone okay. in for someone in I guess our age, what was it like to be teammates with Cam Newton? I mean, that's something that everyone probably in our age, you know, dreams about. It was cool. Cam Newton, you know, a lot of people don't know. Cam Newton is actually a bright individual. He's really smart. Uh, his football IQ is out the roof. You know, people just look at Cam Newton and they'll think, okay, 6'5", 260, okay, he's just, he was born to play football. You know, you, like, well, even though that is the case, you know, his football IQ was really high. You know, and so I learned a lot from him, you know, and uh, he didn't talk to me at first, you know, because um, they, it was the, it's the rookie, uh, that's how they treat the rookies, you know, they don't talk to the rookies, you know, unless you're like first round, second round, you know, but uh, you have to earn their respect on the field first, you know, so when I first got there, you know, it wasn't, hey, what's going on, Miles, you know, you know, he just walked right past me and everything, but you have to earn that respect first, you know, so after I was making plays, then he opened up to me, asked me where I was from, what school I went to, you know, it's just a little respect thing, but I learned a lot from him, you know, just from uh, the playbook, you know, just different signals he would give and little dummy calls that he would give and just reading the uh, coverages and stuff like that. You know, he, he did a great job with the rookies with that. Between Rutgers and Northwestern, I mean, two schools known for, for education and for preparing players in different ways, how, how much do you think those two schools, and especially going through the transfer, transfer process, how much did that prepare you for the NFL and everything else you're doing now? Big time. Big time. I, I wouldn't say the school part was big. I would just say that going through four different offense coordinators throughout my college career was huge. You know, uh, I went through three different pro-style offenses and uh, one spread-style offense. 
gap and change every year. You know, I mean, that's a that's an unfortunate situation, but it helped me out in the long run to uh, understand the NFL terminology and the playbooks. You know, I think that uh, definitely helped me out a lot. So I guess the reason we're talking is because I ran into you at Rutgers a couple weekends ago at their 7-on-7. Seven seven. Do you yeah. do you still get back to Rutgers much, or do, do you pay attention to them? Because it's it's you know it's almost ancient history in, in some ways. Absolutely. Um, I have a good French name, Grant. You know, uh, uh, he was uh, he's still there. He has a whole other year there. You know, special player. Obviously, you guys know know him really well just because of the, uh, his playmaking ability. Uh, me and him are really good friends. You know, really really good friends. At one point, he was staying with me uh, one summer when he first came up to Rutgers. You know, so uh, our brotherhood is really tight. So uh, I'm always going to be tied into Rutgers. You know, no matter what. That was my first home. Um, I go up there often just to see my brother up there and uh, make sure that he's good and everything. But yeah, man, Rutgers is still my home despite you know the coach, uh, the uh, the changes in the coaching staff and everything. You know, uh, hopefully one day we could make a uh, a tighter bond with them. You know, because I, I don't I don't know the new staff. You know, they they came from Ohio State, um, and uh, that's just how it goes. You know, so hopefully in the future we could uh, rebuild that connection with uh, Rutgers. Well, part of that rebuilding the connection. This is a great transition. Rutgers is starting to recruit Long Branch again. They really hadn't been around Long Branch other than you and Ryan Brody and Travis Patterson. Now they're back right. in there. They got an offer out to Kmar Mims, and there's some other kids oh, yeah. at Long Branch. Tell, tell me from your perspective about what's going on at Long Branch right now. Yeah, Mims, he's special. Uh, for those who don't know, that's uh, Sleek Calhoun's little brother. Uh, Sleek is with the uh, Oakland Raiders right now, I believe. Uh, played for Michigan State. A great defensive end for uh, was a great defensive end for Michigan State. Mims, man, the sky, the sky, uh, the sky's the roof with him. He, he has a special talent. Uh, long kid uh, has great hands. Really smart kid. Uh, he's all about his academics. I think he's in all AP classes up at uh, Long Branch right now, um, and he's going to be a, a huge recruit. You know. Uh, if I was uh, in, in, in Rutgers shoes, that would be one of my top priorities um, as far as getting getting a kid like Mims, you know, because he's special. Uh, if you uh, and it's in his genes, he's a special kid, and uh, he's going to make uh, great plays. Something that that's interesting. I'm I'm not from New Jersey. I, I think you know that. I grew up in Virginia, but there's certain towns in New Jersey where it seems like people have more pride and care more about it. And Long Branch is one of those towns where if you're from that Long Branch Shore area, you, you want to represent it, you know, on a bigger stage. Absolutely. And I, I feel like, I mean, you've been gone. You graduated, what, eight years ago, seven years ago from high school? And yeah. and you're yeah. still back there at 7-on-7s. Seven seven. Why is Long Branch so special to you? Oh, uh, man, it's a small city with great talent. And it's always been like that. Uh, I felt like we took a little bit of a backseat after uh, Ryan's class was done uh, playing football. Um, and I don't know what the reason was uh, because of that. But right now, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Uh, Long Branch just won um, uh, the Mammoth 7-on-7. Seven seven. Uh, that hasn't been done in Long Branch shoot since, I want to say, the 90s, maybe. 
you know, I can't even remember the last time Marbury's won a seven on seven uh tournament at Monmouth and then they won another seven on seven tournament in, in Matawan. You know, I know and and I understand it's seven on seven, you know, the lineman's not there and there's no pads uh being put on, but it's just huge for Long Branch to come back and compete and win tournaments and do really well at a, a Rucker seven on seven where we have great athletes showcasing their skills. So I feel like we're taking uh, a great step in the right direction, you know, with that program, with uh, Danny George. You know, he's really active with the kids. You know, he's the head wrestling coach. He used to be the head uh, track coach there. And he's really passionate about this football team. So I feel like uh, this uh, this team could do special special teams this year. And, uh, and the sophomore class has come in up this year they were uh their freshman year they were undefeated last year so um the sophomore class is going to be special too so long range football should be exciting for the future once again we're we're joined by former four-star recruit former rutgers wide receiver northwestern wide receiver miles Schuler. miles is is there a way that fans i mean you're you are a pretty big fan favorite i think you know that is there a way that they can track what you're up to? Are you a big social media guy? Like, what are you up to other than preparing for Canada right now? Absolutely. Um, I took a back seat to uh, Twitter uh, lately. You know, I, <laughs> Good I, idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been off of Twitter, but uh, you can catch me on uh, on my Instagram at shoe uh, underscore please, S-H-U underscore P-L-E-A-S-E. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook. You can just type my first and last name in, and you'll find me. Um, I'm always going to keep everybody updated on what I'm doing. But the CFL move is the uh, is my next move. It's just a matter of time of when they'll get me out there. You know, I, I think a lot of people hope to see you succeed up there. I mean, you're. You gave a lot to Rutgers, even when it wasn't working out, and I think a lot of fans appreciated that. Um, Miles, I close all of these podcast interviews with the same three Rutgers-related questions. I call them the big three. So okay. my, my first question for you is, for Miles Schuler, who who is your favorite all-time Rutgers athlete? Ooh. Damn, that's a, that's a tough one. Let me think. I'm known for my tough questions. You know that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh you gotta go. You got. I mean, I gotta go. You know, playing receiver. I have to go with uh, Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt. Um, he was special. Special. I used to watch his film uh, when I was at Rutgers of his practices, and he used to dominate every single practice. Every single practice, and then he went on to the league and dominated up there as well. You know, so I have to go with Kenny Britt. And now he's in Cleveland with our guys, Jabril Peppers and uh, Jason McCourty. Absolutely, yeah, and he, and you know, he's a veteran in the league, and it's it's no secret why he's able to play a, a, a have a long career in the NFL. All right, our second question here: When you think about all your time at Rutgers, what's your favorite memory? What 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 is something that you're always going to remember about Rutgers? <sighs> That's another tough question, man. Um, just the blood, sweat, and tears. I'll say with uh, uh, Jeremy Cole, he was uh, he was our uh, head strength and conditioning coach. Uh, coach Butler was before him, and since the day we got there, we we just start, we were grinding. We were grinding, uh, waking up early in the mornings, um, 
you. I remember those winter workouts, that two-week deal that we did when we worked, when we woke up at 4.30 in the morning and uh, just grinding together and just watching each other just go through that process of uh, uh, trying to be great, you know. And uh, we had something great at Rutgers my first two years there. Um, you know, so I, I, I'll always remember the, the off-season grind. If you thought grinding for Jeremy Cole was hard, imagine grinding for Brian Doan for the last six years. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I know. I know. And tell myself hello when you see him, too, and talk to him. I will. Brian will be coming on the show as soon as we finish up with Miles here. And the last question here from Miles Schuler is, if you get to have one more meal, eat one more meal at Rutgers, where are you going and what is your order? Oh, man. Uh, dang. All right, well, obviously I'm going, I'm definitely going to uh, Livingston, their uh, cafeteria. Livy. Um, dang, that's a tough question. You could go to a restaurant if you want. I'm surprised you didn't pick Hansel, to be honest. Oh, okay, okay, then. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Then we're going to go with uh, Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the, uh, the steak crisps. Uh, those were special, special, uh, perfectly made, greasy, unhealthy, but it was so good. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go hands on Gretel. <laughs> That's, uh, this is, I believe, the 65th episode, and I think at least half of the people I talk to pick Hansel, and for good reason. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Miles Schuler, ladies and gentlemen, once again, follow him on Facebook and Instagram. And, Miles, we're all rooting for you in the CFL. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, it was a pleasure to hear from Miles Schuler. Brian, I know, I know you enjoyed listening to that part of it as well. You're a big Miles Schuler guy. Not only Miles, the whole family. Great people. Even though he went another way to Northwestern after his time at Rutgers. His dad, Mark, one of the good guys out there, and Miles, always Rutgers guys down deep. So you're you're joining us here on the Rutgers Scoutcast, fresh off the opening. How much do you want to share about how much fun it was for you to travel out there? <laughs> it was a hoot, let's just put it that way. I was remarkably composed sitting on a runway for five hours because we had plugs at our seat. And so I was pretty fired up about that. So I was able to do some work, text people, phone calls, and not have to worry about batteries dying. So if there was a silver lining about me being st stuck on an airplane for five hours on a runway, silver lining is I was able to get some work done and uh, not take your call when you called. That is true. And the reason I called, Rutgers picked up a commitment that day from Coatesville cornerback Avery Young. Nice pickup for the Scarlet Knights, one of the one of the higher rated corners out of the state of Pennsylvania in this recruiting class. And I would say that he's probably the one that kind of best fits what Chris Ash wants in his corners of, of the DBs Rutgers has in this class. Yeah, he does. If Jared Paul ran a little better, he'd also fit in there too. But I think he may turn out to be more of a safety. But, you know, the thing about Aaron Young that I think people are going to overlook is Besides the fact he's a really good player, so people from Pennsylvania will think, well, Penn State didn't really move on him. How good can he be? And I understand that, but then you have to realize the level that Penn State's recruiting on, what they're doing with defensive backs, who they're, who they're involved with. 
Aaron Young's a really good player. Good burst, you know, acceleration, drives on the ball well. He's got good size and length to play press coverage. He's aggressive. He likes to be physical. You're right. Everything that Chris Ash wants in a cornerback, Avery Young possesses. Because he wasn't a kid that did a ton of camps, he is not the most outgoing when it comes to interviews. Great kid. I know him and his both his brothers, Anthony, who was older, is at Old Dominion, and his younger brother, Aaron, who's a 2019 running back. So, that, you know, comes from, a, and I, if memory serves right, I thought the father played at Temple, but I can't remember exactly. But for me, I, I look at it, and if he was out there doing a ton of interviews, I think people would be more excited about it, but he's a good player. Yeah, he, he and the young brothers had only registered for, I think, one of the, what, four or five camps in that month of May, and they didn't even show up for it. So they're not guys that seem to care as much, uh, especially Avery, about the promotional aspect of recruiting. And that's fine with Rutgers. Rutgers doesn't want to deal with a lot of that stuff anyway. Rutgers has enough problems and drama and entertainment when it comes to recruiting. So why not take a kid that just wants to come in and work? You know, as soon as I saw the Young Brothers with Mom and with the Rutgers staff hanging out on campus, I think that was kind of when it started to look like this was something that was going to get done. Rutgers was talking to kids about, you know, we got one more DB spot. Uh, Young was probably the highest player realistically on the board at the time, and good job getting it done because a lot of times when you try to make that play for the last spot, it blows up in your face. But these guys wanted to be at Rutgers. Uh, This, you know, Jared Paul camped, you mentioned him, Jared Paul camped at Rutgers, worked out with the staff. From talking to Jared, they said, you know, great feedback and everything, but I think Aaron Young has a little bit more speed. Sorry, Avery Young. We're going to be doing that a lot over the next No, you years. will be. I'll be locked in. Okay, well, you've already screwed it up twice, just so you know, and people it, will hear that when they listen back. That's where you edited it in to make me look bad, but okay. All right, well, count the Aaron Youngs at corner <laughs> references from Brian. Uh, anyway, I guess my point is get the kids that want to be there, and now you don't have to worry as much about DBs for the next 10 months. Because that was like your number one need in 17, and now it's towards the bottom of your hierarchy of needs for 2018. Good pickup. And Coatesville, now my personal experiences with Coatesville are probably a lot different than yours, Brian, because the only kid I covered out of Coatesville was Dre Boggs. You covered the opposite. Well, it's funny. I knew Dre Boggs from Avon Old Farms more than Coatesville. Coatesville is a great school to deal with. The kids are really nice. Some of my favorite recruits went to Coatesville, whether it was Jazzy Stocker, Daquan Worley, you know, Matt Burke. Now, let's hope that uh, Avery Young fares a little bit better in his D1 endeavors than some of those players did, where it just didn't work out for him for a variety of reasons, injury or depth chart stuff. But Matt Ortega, the coach there, really good guy, really a fun school to go visit and I always looked forward to it when I had prospects of going in there and, and talking with the coach and the kids. Yeah, I'm sure you, I, or both of us will probably be at that school this fall at some point with the talent they have in some of the other schools in that area. Don't be surprised if things slow down a little bit over the next two months. K- kids have stopped taking visits for a while. There's some kids with announcement dates coming up that we're keeping an eye on, and I think our subscribers know who those primary names are. But overall... Things can slow down now, and I think Rutgers 
for the most part, accomplished what it wanted to get done in camp season, which was get to around 10, 12, 15 kids, and then you can build the last 10 or so through the season and through the January. Yeah, I, I think one of the mistakes Rutgers made in you know Chris Ash's first full class was they really loaded up by the middle of July, and it, it left them without a lot of room toward the end and if you're Rutgers, you know, you're not Ohio State, you're not Michigan, not Alabama or Clemson or some of those schools where you can just cherry pick kids. You really have to do some good evaluating during a player's senior year to land some sleepers, some kids who are under the radar. And we've learned with this staff that they have great connections. They'll find kids all over. They know a lot of other coaches that help them out. They're well-liked by other coaching staffs, so they're helped out. And when I say other coaching staffs, I mean on the college level. They can call up, you know, look, Chris Ash can call Urban Meyer or Brett Bielma and say, hey, we're looking for this. Is there anyone in your region who, you know, maybe you guys aren't after, but is that next kid? And they can get them and then get involved with them. And, and so that stuff happens. You need to have scholarship space for that. And they have it. So that's a good thing. Well, it's July, Brian, and you know what that means. Well, uh, vacation for me? Yeah, fireworks. No, that means Adidas or Adidas, as they say in your, in your uh, circles. Soccer vernacular? Yeah outside of America. So Rutgers made the big move. With the big move means new gear, new promotion, new website. I'm sure that you're fired up about this one. So they're no longer Nike? Right. They're Adidas now. Yeah. Do they have really cool turf shoes that you can wear for soccer? Maybe maybe a better question for uh, Coach O'Neill. I couldn't answer that one. Well, I'm kind of all out of Adidas questions and comments. Uh, it, Whatever. Wear pink tutus sponsored by whoever. If you're successful, things will go well for you in recruiting. Yeah, that pretty, pretty much sums it up. I'm sure that it's fun for recruits to see pictures of stuff on Twitter and Instagram of what Rutgers is doing with Adidas. And I'm sure that it does have an impact basketball-wise. We've already discussed that. But for the most part, like, great. New, you know, Now it's three stripes instead of a swoosh. Great. Uh, you know, move on. If it wasn't talking about new branding, you just talk about something else. It doesn't matter. Here, here's the only thing I care about it, and it goes for Rutgers or any other school. UCLA just, you know, began its huge deal with Under Armour. I think they're getting like 15 million a year or something like that. How does it help in building facilities or expanding a coaching staff in a given sport? How does it help that? Because other than that, I really don't care. Well, you care about facilities, Brian, and there's some things coming up now here. We've got, you know, we're a couple months away from that RWJ Barnabas Health Center groundbreaking where they really start the construction there. Obviously, they're already digging holes and taking souls out there on Livingston. Uh, we're, You're like an ru- MC. We're, uh, we're roughly three and a half weeks away from the Battaglia Center opening. They have a fan event, I guess, the first week of August that's free for people that want to come check it out sign up I think there's like a free gift I'm sure that there will be speakers and you know you can throw rocks at me while I'm over there I think it might coincide with a practice because that's week to a training camp we'll see how that goes 
but facilities, Rutgers is making progress. People are excited. Brian, I'm sure that you're less excited than most people. <laughs> it's not that I'm less excited. It's just that I'm more realistic. And it's great that they're redoing the practice facility. It is nice that they're getting new turf in Rutgers Stadium, which is needed because the turf is worn out and that's what happens every however many years the turf wears out you get new turf how's the baseball field coming sam are they, are they doing well with rebuilding a stadium how about the softball stadium how's that looking mike canner does a great job on public address for baseball and that's all i have to say about the environment um yeah how's the field hockey stadium doing oh the stadium you know what what about um the the facilities at your sack how are they looking they, they measuring up to big 10 standards hey they have a couple of nice practice fields yeah yeah the rack rack they, they got that mostly all the funds raised for that they got air conditioning they have air conditioning well that's new good new locker room the good thing new about, weight room the good thing about the air conditioning now is if steve peichel actually wants to have a camp in the rack uh it won't be a sauna and you could actually keep it cool unlike other coaches who decided not to have camps there because there was no air conditioning you know, I know you're going to go back, and I'll find it for you, and you can link it to this scout cast. I'm not going to do that. It sounds like work. About I'll find it. All you have to do is link it. About the upgrades needed for the facilities that I wrote when Rutgers joined the Big Ten. And we know the money disparity between them and other schools. I, I just go back. And you've been in the Big Ten for X number of years. You know, when I'm watching, when I, you know, it's funny you read the ticker and it comes across all the time. Or you, you look at some headlines and you read about some of these Group 5 schools pouring $100 million into facilities and all that other stuff. You wonder, when does Rutgers take it seriously and help out? There are other sports. You know, how's wrestling? How are they doing with uh, having a good locker room and a place to practice and all well, that stuff? Well, they'll be in the Barnabas Center when it opens. Yeah. I mean, let's get there. You know what I mean? I mean, so you keep, you know, how's volleyball doing? How are their facilities? <laughs> well, I'm sure we've told this story before, but the last time I went to a Rutgers volleyball game, uh, Jim Delaney was in attendance, and it was delayed by 40 minutes because the roof was leaking. Big 10. Yep, Rutgers at Wisconsin at Rutgers. And where does volleyball play now? They play they play at the barn. Uh, and what roof was leaking again? The barn. Okay. Just want to make sure we're clear on all this stuff when we talk about two million dollars and three million. And it's great. It's great that a few people ponied up the money to do facilities and, and help out with football, new practice field, and it's great. I'm not diminishing that. I'll put it in the recruiting vernacular for people. You're in the running for a four-star quarterback that you really want. Just because he puts you in his top 12 shouldn't make you feel good. You should want to get the kid. Same deal. Just because you spend a couple million dollars to put down a new practice facility, you know, the turf on there, the grass on there, and dress up the outside of it does not take care of every other deficiency across the boards athletically when it comes to facilities. Yeah, whether it's Towers or Garudi or the other major donors that have helped 
these things come to fruition or, or start construction, guess what? I bet Maryland's got 25 of that. Oh, there's no doubt and they about got, it. The, and here, here's one for you, Brian. And they got a president that's helping. Really? I wonder what that's like. If you're a Rutgers fan, you got to be like, what? Really? What, what, you got what a president that like? that's helping fundraising instead of saying, no, you can't do this and you can't do that. No, don't talk no, to these donors we, because we're going to for our yeah, big push. Exactly. Um, you know, it goes back to the equipment. And it's funny, Sam, because I could probably spend a few minutes on this topic. And it comes across sometimes as, as a rant. And, it, and it's not. It's, it's more of just some observations about what is going on. I, I have the luxury to talk to a lot of kids that go to a lot of other places and discuss things that they come across on visits. And so you, you hear a lot of things. And I always hear, well, the facilities here, you know, whether it's Virginia Tech or, like you said, whether it's Maryland or even what they're doing at UVA or... Penn State's putting a bunch of money into things. What are they doing up at Syracuse? They're doing a bunch of things up there. And up until recently, the only thing we heard out of Rutgers was, you know, they're going to have the new practice facility for football, which is great. But the other thing is, when Greg Brown became the chair of the Board of Governors, I think he was a guy that Greg Schiano leaned on pretty heavily when Greg Schiano was the coach. And he was going to be the guy who finally gave Rutgers Athletic that voice on the board. And there's some other guys and gals that really are friendly with athletics there, but they didn't have kind of the bravado or the gumption to really move things forward in athletics. And I think a lot of people thought Greg Brown would be that guy. He finally would be able to steer a lot of things in athletics way to where they would put more money in and here we are as his tenure will be closing on the chairman of the board soon and you sit there and you say well he was the guy that sat there when Julie Herman and Kyle Flood destroyed things you can put a lot of blame on Barchi and I do because ultimately he's the president but the board of governors you know, their job is to kind of give the president direction. And in the business world, when things go wrong, you either get rid of the president or you blame the board. Well, the president, I think, will be staying for a bit longer. And so you look at the board and you say, well, I'm not going to blame the board anymore. I'm just going to accept the fact that this is what the board wants. And So this is what it's going to be until you have somebody who maybe has not been in that role decide, you know what, I'm going to donate my time and sacrifice my time to help push it in a different direction, if that's the direction you want to go. And I think you have to look at all that, you know, make it all-encompassing. You can't just say, well, this didn't work and we're going to blame Barchi. And look, I'll blame him a lot because I think as as somebody who's supposed to be the face of the university... There's a lot lacking there. The It's funny because, look, I get that, look, it's a school. Academics come first. I think everyone gets that. And they've got so much going on academically. But I think if you're someone that's going to sit on a board or, or have a role, like you should have some general interest or general knowledge of everything that encompasses a university. And that includes athletics. I remember sitting at the emergency session when Chris Ash became head coach and 
Pat Hobbs is explaining all the reasons why it's the right hire. This is normal. I've, I've seen probably 10 of these coaching hire sessions by now. And then they started getting questions from members of the board that made no sense. They were, they were questions like, so in college athletics, every coach runs a camp in the off season and (laughs) the camp is done separately from his salary so that he can, you know, help find some money for players. He can pay a, a staff to run the camp, make some extra money for his staff and his interns that aren't paid. And every school in the country has done this forever. But there was a good six minutes of questions about why this Chris Ash LLC camp thing, what would happen to the point where people that did understand it were just shaking their heads like, what are we wasting our time with? Maybe it would help to have a little more general interest towards athletics, which is what 80% of your marketing in front of a television. Well, and I think when you, you know, everybody says, well, it's, it's athletics and there's more important things. I get it. I get it. But yeah, neither. I wasn't a Rutgers athlete. I was a Rutgers student. Correct. I get it. Correct. The other part of it, though, is I don't know this for fact, but I'm going to guess if you started a chemistry board or a physics message board for premium or a literature premium message board, you would not have a bunch of subscribers like you do for a football, basketball, athletic sport. And that is a way that a lot of alumni stay connected to the university. And like you said, it is marketing. It, it markets the school. It makes you more visible publicly. Application rates rise. You know, all that drill that we've talked about before. But um, yeah, I don't think everyone started applying and the standards started going up in 2007 because of the, you know, new river dorm. Welcome into the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag. Thanks again to Brian known for joining us and earlier in the show for visit we received from Miles Schuler. This will be a bit of a shorter mailbag and close to the show than usual because, well, I didn't get a lot of submissions this week and the one that I decided to go with came in about, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes before my deadline. So we're going to run through this mailbag very quickly, close out the show, and then Well, then I'm going to finish my edits and get this up onto the interwebs for you all to download it. In time for your Friday commutes. Questions both came in from Kelly. Kelly sent these in via private message. She's a new member. Welcome to the site. Kelly asks, On topic, Sorry if this is an obvious question, but I'm a newer Rutgers fan. Who do you think are the biggest Rutgers stars in the pros. Well, I guess, Kelly, in terms of active professional athletes, uh, I mean, if you're talking about star power, I guess you got to go with, huh. I'd say right now the hottest, the hottest name for athletes is probably Logan Ryan. He Logan Ryan has gone semi-viral a couple times this offseason, whether it's signing that big contract with Tennessee. He hosted a football camp with Eli Apple in his hometown that got a lot of publicity, uh, just got married. He's involved in a lot of 
cool dog adoption stuff that's gotten some traction, and then I think people saw he just paid off his brother's student loans as well. So he's kind of making the rounds, but I guess the biggest overall star for me still, whether you know she might not be as supportive of Rutgers as fans would like, but Carly Lloyd is a she's still a rock star and one of the biggest names in in the world in terms of international United States competition. I mean, it, it's hard to not consider, obviously, the McCordy twins. We'll see how Kenny Britt does in Cleveland, and then, heck, baseball's starting to get some buzz with the way that Pat Kivlihan has come on the last season and a half and everything that Todd Frazier has been able to do as well. So I guess those are all my answers. If I had to pick one at this moment today, I'd say the guy with the most juice is Logan Ryan, but this changes all the time. Carly Lloyd is certainly up there too. Off-topic question from Kelly's similar question. Sam and Brian, sorry, Brian's not here, just me. Who are your favorite Rutgers alums? I would say, I I mean, I would have loved to say James, James Gandolfini, but he's no longer with us. A similar vein, I'm a big food fan, Food Network, all the kinds of cooking stuff, so I would probably go with Mario Batali. I feel like there's a couple of people out there, and this is something I've discussed both on the podcast and on ScarletReport.com. Go check it out. Try our extended free trial. Just mention to me that you are a Rutgers ScoutCast listener. Something that's come up a couple times, I feel like Rutgers could do a much better job of embracing some of these celebrities. You know, you see the amount of traction that Northwestern got in the Big Ten tournament because of Julia Louis-Dreyfus, or even Penn State getting love in that tournament because Flava Flav is related to Shep Garner. I mean, Rutgers should be all over that because you're talking about Mario Batali is a guy that's on TV every morning. You're talking about David Stern, who I know that Pat Hobbs has worked on that especially uh, getting him to come out to the Garden for that game against Wisconsin last year. But those are some big guys that could really do you a lot of favors just by being seen on television wearing a Rutgers hat. Gandolfini used to be pretty good at that, and they'd shoehorn some Rutgers ad-libs into the Sopranos, and I would assume that Gandolfini (laughs) maybe nudged David Chase a little bit for some of those. Uh, And then, I mean, look look at Marvel. Sebastian Stan, he plays the Winter Soldier in all the Captain America Avengers movies. And Mike Coulter is one of the big Netflix Marvel stars. I mean, between those two guys, how cool would it be to get one of them to come out, not even in their costume, but in something somewhat recognizable, come out and do something before a football game, before a basketball game. Do something with that. And then, you know, there's tons of other... Rutgers. I, I learn about new Rutgers alums every day that I didn't know went to the school, so I'm sure that my answer will change next time you ask. Thanks for the questions in the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag. As always, you can send me those comments, questions to my Twitter, to Facebook. We have our Scarlet Report Facebook fan page where you can submit questions and over on the scarletreport.com premium message boards. This has been another episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast. Please make sure to thank Miles Schuler on Facebook and Instagram for coming on to the show. Let him know he did not waste his time by hanging out with us today. I'm your host, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. 